What up, my fellow NBA lovers? This is your guy, Marcellus Ease, and this will be Friends in the City, Volume 3. As Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant did a nice little sit down with each other, and they spoke about a number of topics. But before we get to all that, I'd like to say with these two guys, the reason why I named this Friends in the City, because these two guys remind me of two good friends that actually took the chance and moved in with each other and became roommates. And the dynamics of the relationship will change especially in this crazy New York City media market, as these two guys will learn real quickly how they're going to really turn on these two guys. Kevin Durant leaving Golden State may have started a little rift between him and the media over there, which was hounding him the past season on his decision to leave. And also Kyrie Irving, quiet as kept, he's pissed off a lot of the media members in Boston as they had a nice advantage after making the trade to get him but we pretty much had a, a small little setback with the issue with Kyrie not fitting in and him just leaving during free agency. You guys check out this interview and every once in a while, I'll check in. You know, and I'm always going to speak on what's right. And I think that comes at, um, you know, a price where all of those things that they dress me up as fall off at the wayside you know, of who I truly am. And I don't think it's fair for me to bring that type of energy home and consider it, meaning people talking about me or people addressing me as, hey, what, you know, what, what is he doing? He, he's not smart. There was something that Kendrick said. He was like, yo, you know, if you put his brain in a bird, it's gonna fly backwards, you know? And we have- <laughs> You got Pastor Perkins, man. I was talking his shit now, Pastor Perkins. Kyrie, man, you better hold on to your Bible, son. People like that, that I don't have a problem with at all. You know, that's his opinion, nor do I feel disrespected by anything like that. But what I would say to that is I, I've I'm come to a place in my life where I serve myself and I serve others, but also I take the criticism serious from people I respect. You know, a lot of the rift between Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving with the media is the lack of understanding. The media doesn't really understand these two guys. They kind of want them to be transparent the same way LeBron James is on social media. They want to know everything about you, your family life, your personal life, what ticks you off, what makes you happy. Because at the end of the day, they're going to use all that stuff against you. But Kyrie Irving, man, like I said, the Boston media, him leaving Boston definitely created a rift between him and the Boston media. And quiet is kept, the Boston media is a very large part of the total overall NBA media. So Kyrie does have that bullseye in his back. And same thing for KD. You know that that media in San Francisco is hoping that, you know, his endeavors in Brooklyn does not work out. So these two guys, they kind of have a lot going against them as far as public perception. People that are on a similar yeah. alignment and wavelength and frequency as I am. You know, I, I can't take in everybody's burdens and problems and thoughts about me and what I should be doing, what I should not be doing, because I have taken that into consideration. And it also became a very dark place that I was in. And when people speak about these dark places, we fail to accept that you have to go to therapy and you have to go get help because you almost become a prisoner of your own fame, your own life, you know, your own presence, your own stature. And I, I always wanted to be the strongest in the room. You know, the person that holds everything together, knows I got everything right, like my shit don't stink. You know what I mean? Like, yo, I, I'm, mm -hmm. but I've also learned from a lot of great individuals that sometimes it's great to lead from the back. And I don't need to feel vindicated for saying what's right, what's already been known. 
historically, if we break down factual information, we're not talking about opinionated facts. We're talking about factual information of things that have happened in our world, in society, to race, to religion, to our belief system, to media, to propagandizing, um, you know, racial tension and social injustice. And, you know, there's, there's so many issues that you want to tackle that I want to tackle, you know, and honestly. Now, some of the issues Kyrie's talking about right here has to do with him creating that rift in the bubble which it threatened a lot of money because when Kyrie had mentioned that the players should get their money together and start up their own league, a lot of people, especially within the media, felt very threatened because that would be an end to a lot of people's jobs covering the league. And guys like Woj was calling Kyrie a disruptor. And what he was saying was not anything out of the ordinary. You know, a lot of guys in the NBA right now, they have a lot of equity and if they're willing to take their chance and struggle for a couple of years, they can make their own league. He didn't say anything that was that crazy. But, well, before the bubble even occurred, when we had that long break period, a lot of the members in the media were saying that the league not being on was hurting their pockets. It's so hard to do it without having a destination. And my destination at this point is not to be the greatest basketball player to ever play the game. Like, what the fuck does that title mean? Like, you know what I mean? For me, it's so small and so smaller. Like, it's such a small atmosphere who I am, you know? Man, Kyrie got to understand, man. <laughs> Yo, they're going to, the, the, the New York media, the Boston media, the San Francisco media, they're going to pick these words apart. They don't care about trying to understand you, man. They're competing with Twitter, social media. They're just trying to create sensational lines to get clicks. This is their competition. I mean, we've seen... You know, shit channel news channels like CNN and even Fox News, but especially CNN, them them saying that Twitter were better than just a bunch of words on a tweet. But Twitter is their main competition. And as much as they hate Twitter, Twitter kind of took their their way of doing business and transformed it. So now even ESPN and all these other major media companies and sports, they're competing with all these sensationalized clicks. You know, they're trying to go viral for every moment, create all these narrative storylines. I mean, it is what it is. This is this is how it is in this new age. Sometimes when I'm in this basketball space or entertainment space, and I say entertainment with music, with sports, with media entertainment, there aren't enough smart people out there that are doing this job. You know what I mean? That I actually can say, I go and watch, and then I go research them. And I'm like, man, I'm actually gonna learn something from this article. Most of it has something to do with someone else's opinion about someone else's opinion. And Kyrie's correct, and that's the social media effect. They're competing with Twitter. They're competing with Instagram. They're competing with all these little viral clicks. And anyone that can just generate the clicks, no matter how dumb, no matter how smart they are, is going to be perceived as valuable. There's a lot of these guys calling themselves analysts. They are not analysts. They're just entertainers disguised as analysts. It's a response, it's a reaction. And I'm not a reactionary person, but I can be impulsive with things I say and I accept that. So I think what I've learned is to take my message and make it a lot more clear. Hey, I stand for my native indigenous black men and women, my kings and queens, Hispanic, Latin, all of the seas of the earth. That, But Kyrie, man, can't be too naive. Him making that statement about starting their own league, he should know, man, this guy's you know, that are his peers within that bubble working for the NBA. 
that are plays just like him. They're addicted to their checks. They're not going to be willing to take all that risk. Especially him. Kyrie definitely has more to lose, but some of these guys don't have the window that he has to take risk. And they're going to want their checks. And that's, just, that's how it is, man. You're going to take arrows from from you know the side you're going against and the people that should be on your side have been here before you know white america or this white you know idea ideology of of who we're trying to be and what we should do sometimes i feel like i have to hide my gifts to dumb it down to be a basketball player mm -hmm. yeah i study philosophy yeah i'm a scholar yeah I, i'm a nerd by trade like i just happen <laughs> great at basketball because i put in enough time just as anyone else i love to be inquisitive about reality. I love to learn about other great minds that have questioned the very reality that we're in. Now, this is something that a lot of media members fail to understand. They're such fans of these guys, they can't see them anything outside of basketball. Now, Kareem, the legendary player Kareem out of the Lakers, you know, he's one of these guys that's kind of similar to Kyrie. He's a guy that's kind of into philosophies and different things. He even changed his name into a Muslim name. And a lot of media members, they didn't understand him and they failed to understand him. And Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, Kawhi Leonard, those are guys that the media just failed to understand because like I said, they wanna know everything about you now so they can kind of use these things as storylines to be either with you or against you. I can't just say I wanna be great at this one thing and then not put in the time to do that. So I think I've figured out that kind of recipe of knowing what's truthful to me and knowing what I stand on. And that's protecting my, all, like I said, my indigenous kings and queens of this earth. And however that comes, I'm gonna speak up on it, you know? Was it was it hard for you to not defend yourself in those moments? Oh, bro. Perkins calls you whatever. Like Honestly, I see it as... Perkins wanted his check, boy. He wants his check. He understands they had nothing to talk about. He's willing to throw Kyrie under the bus, man. He just started his media career. You think he wants it to end because they don't have the budget because of this, this pandemic? Come on, man. Kendrick Perkins, man, he got he got visions, man. He want to open up a couple of them churches down at OKC. It makes it it makes it cool for the sport, for entertainment, but mm -hmm. it doesn't make it cool when it affects people's families and legacy. Yep. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than, you know, I don't, like I said, I'm not mad at Kendrick, nor am I mad for anyone else that talks shit about me or talks about, you know, what I should be doing or judges me, whatever. I say that like, this is my journey and I accept it. I accept who I am, whether you write about me or not. But what I'm gonna do is hold people accountable. I don't know if you know enough about me to be speaking on things that pertain to my legacy. I, I'm not a bad leader, the narrative, I'm, I'm, what is Kai doing? Why is he an MVPA vice president? Why did he join the union? Why did he do this? Why, why did- A lot of those questions, I bet you is coming from that Boston media. I mean, it's, it's, it's ironic, man. Once Kyrie joins Brooklyn, the season starts, a lot of stuff starts leaking out, out of Boston. That's not by accident. Like I said, man, a large portion of the NBA media is from Boston. And the way Kyrie left that squad, he should understand. He has that bullseye on his back. It's why is this? Well, if you had a chance to be in my position, I'm not too sure you would make the same decisions. And that's the reality of all of us. I can't think for everyone i'm not everyone's leader <laughs> you know what i mean i don't speak for every american i don't speak for every world traveler i speak for myself and i speak for the people that come after me and it sounds hurtful and distasteful when you see these people that we know know better 
that go up on these TV screens and then make a mockery out of a person or their family just to be relevant for that day or to get their point across. You can get your point across without demeaning somebody. You know what I mean? TNT, they already use all our likeness and, and everything we are in order to build up these characters. At least let me speak for myself before you speak for me. Yo, do you think that, do you, I had these thoughts before, yo, do you, do you think the media has come even more toxic with the use of the internet? No, they have not become more toxic. They evolved. They've become the new internet. Well, I don't want to say the new internet. They just ingratiating themselves with the internet culture. They went from making fun of like Twitter and all these, you know, you know, uh, the length of a tweet, if it's like 140 characters, like how CNN did, to ESPN saying that they have premium content. That's just telling you that they, their stuff is better than what's on the internet. Now that they realize the internet is the main thing, and they, now they, they're trying to evolve and be a part of it. So the same trolling, the same sensationalizing, they're just, that's the business model now. You run our sport? Bro, I told you we're a DM away from everybody just more accessible mm -hmm. that's what the internet is you can dm somebody with 89 million followers and you may get a response back mm -hmm. you may you depending on the day depending on the time or you may see somebody that you love as a business uh entrepreneur and you can go out and invest in that business right away just the same way everything is accessible everybody's kind of an expert page now Everybody yeah. a, a critic of an industry, you know what I mean? Of what the big time players in the industry should be doing. And then we have other people in other industries speaking on what other people in, under, in other industries should be doing. And then have the media who stands by on the sideline who just watches all this shit. And then they report it. They report it how it's supposed to be made for their audience. The audience at this point for our sport expects drama, bro. They expect... They expect locker room tension. They expect, you know, teams to break up over time or they expect Giannis to leave and go somewhere. And, and now they put it, this idea in the universe, now they put pressure on, oh, he unfollowed everybody on the Milwaukee Bucks. So what? <laughs> well, now this is the business model of the NBA. It's been the business model for the NBA for a long time, that drama aspect. Most of the NBA today, man, it's mostly entertainment followed by the largest the next portion of uh percentage is pretty much business i would say about 70 percent business 20 percent drama and then 10 percent basketball that's pretty much the league nowadays <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly what i was thinking who cares no, what, bro they're really over there like yeah I, I can only imagine what this means for the milky bucks and Giannis and the owner should get on the phone with Giannis and he they, they should definitely try to keep Giannis. Giannis be out of his mind to leave Milwaukee. If you don't leave that young man, that young king alone, and that's what I said, when our own source, our own foundation, our own home becomes diluted with all of these people that I don't respect, their criticism, their stories, it becomes fallacy, a fantasy. It's like something that people run around in, like they have people in the bubble talking about everything that everyone's doing. That's too much access for me, bro. Yeah. That's just, that's the way technology has actually changed the way we interact with a few things. You see in our politics, the way we interact with it. It's the same way with your phone. Everything you want is on a click of a button. Look at our politics, technology has changed it in which now we want policies our way or there's no other way. There's no compromising. And the same thing for basketball. The way it is now, everyone wants full access to everything you do. 
every little second they want you on four different platforms they want to see what you're doing after the game before the game what you're talking about during timeouts they want full access well i, I should say technology has changed the way we're interacting with a lot of different things throughout the society and in this case especially with basketball it turned our game into people that don't even watch it that have mm -hmm. a lot with it you know what i mean like people are asking me like so what you gonna do free agency i'm like bro what are you talking about like this dude <laughs> on on the new york city streets in 2019 like god what you gonna be doing it's just it resonates mm -hmm. across all fans now is what I'm you know i'm wondering if adam silver has any control about the way his tv partners are kind of promoting and marketing his game right now because they are promote, over promoting the drama aspect of it. I believe he has no control because his TV partners right now, this new NBA, well, the current NBA TV deal that they have, is not as lucrative for the TV partners as it is for the leagues. I don't think Adam Silver has any say into how they're just marketing and promoting this and trying to milk, you know, all the drama in between the games so they can sell ads. Like, it's just the game's at a weird state right now. The flow, the 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 game is in itself, it's just not being promoted. It's just a lot of outside noise. And because of that type of drama aspect, like yo, the NBA, man, they bugging, man. You didn't see what so-and-so talked about so-and-so, bro. He said, <laughs> he said he was gonna do da 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 da. I yo, I, I get it, but at the same time, I don't wanna play media games, nor do I wanna play uh, you know, like I don't know what the agenda is, but I'm not gonna sit here and say that I can't be better with my platform moving forward when those things happen, you know, because I fed into it. Yeah. I've been a part of it. You know, I've been used by it and also used it in order to get my point across to become more accessible and utilize these media sources in order to make sure I clear up some type of quote or clear up over this. So it has a lot to do with the growth of our game because now it's become a global thing. Um, but also back home, you can become almost a prisoner of your own fame just because of it, um, which which I don't like. Because the internet, you know, they got people posting people's address uh, online or, oh, I saw him here. And you could be doing something common. Now, once again, Kyrie had the conversations with the players during the bubble, and he made some quotes saying that he was willing to give up everything for this. And once again, a lot of the members of the media, they did not understand. A lot of them quiet is kept man they're not gonna admit it on air but they were scared for their jobs because if the players were willing to just leave a lot of them would get laid off because they already spent three months not talking about anything and they wouldn't have anything to cover so you'll see what Kyrie says right here about it oh so well one the person that put that out there you know wasn't a credible source and when, when we were talking in conversation and I'm talking to all of my peers or people that were on that call, you know, for the time that we're in, yo, you have to be willing to sacrifice that. Like, and that, it doesn't mean that you sacrifice it forever. That means that you sacrifice it for the time that it serves of helping the people in need and as well as being aware of it. Basketball had to stop. That's why I mentioned of boycotting the bubble or not necessarily boycotting, but not going to participate because we finally need to be at home strategizing. Mm -hmm. Like we finally need to be at home getting our wealth together. We finally need to come closer as a brotherhood, like because we represent. Well, at the same time, also the players were in no advantage to actually skip out on the bubble. 
once again, the NBA is at a very compromising position right now. The players and the owners. Right now, the TV deal, the, the league constructed with the, their partners, it's not as lucrative as it once was. And right now, they're already in negotiations for the next deal. They should be striking the next deal within this year or next year. And it's not looking good. You add the bubble on top of it, the ratings that they had in the past like two or three years, because how these deals work is that they worked out way in advance and then they use the numbers from the years before in order to calculate the money for the new deal. So if the NBA is going to use the ratings for the last three to four years, it does not look good at all. The TV deal that the NBA is under right now is off of the 2011 season with LeBron James going to Miami, 2012, 2013, when LeBron James was the villain. The ratings was up and the NBA used those ratings to get the deal in 2017. So you look at right now, they're already constructing the next deal, I believe for 2025 or 2022. So it is what it is. This is where the players and the league is at right now. And if the players were going to skip out on the bubble, it would have left a lot of the TV partners just hanging. And best believe when they come back to the negotiation table, they're not going to be getting that same lucrative deal. That's probably why you're seeing a lot of YouTube TV being advertised. I believe the next deal the NBA is going to get is going to be from a tech company, either Twitter, YouTube, Amazon. The league may not end up being on ESPN again. ESPN already dedicated a lot of money to college football. So we'll see. Like Once again, the players are not in a compromising position to be skipping out on that bubble. And once again, when Kyrie was, was starting to agitate all the players into you know, clearly thinking clearly, it scared a lot of the media members because they saw their jobs in which their companies already were laying off people. They saw their jobs were in jeopardy. And that's where a lot of the sentiment kind of came from. Kyrie has to make himself aware of a lot of these things. An economic platform, a campaign, and also a social campaign of who we are as men that come from single parent homes, that come from these neighborhoods, that come from the justice system that's done our family members wrong. We're examples of it. You know what I mean? And if we're not willing to fight for that or stand on what you believe in, then bro, you you can I can say it all I want, but the action has to follow. You know, and I and I follow suit from the people that have come before me and that I partner with and just great pioneers that have a lot of the players were standing with Kyrie, and Kyrie was speaking up for a lot of guys who couldn't speak up. But once again, I think uh the other side of the table. As far as the players arguing with each other in that bubble, whether it's a stop or start, I think the other side had a better understanding as far as the money and the position that the league was in as far as getting that next TV deal. So there might have been a gap right there. And, and, uh, you know, disruptive changes. And when I say the other side, it might have even been the superstars of the league, like the real superstars getting paid a lot of money. Guys like LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard. The guys that kind of like the face of the league, they kind of might have been pushing for guys to finish this bubble. So we can make sure the league is in a great position for future players coming in to still hit the same financial, you know, so the league could be as financially lucrative. They don't want to leave the league in a worse place than it was when they was there. That doesn't make sense. You're supposed to hand off the game to the younger players, financially stable. The game's at a good place. These are the kind of responsibilities of the superstars. It's not just making all the money and taking all the glory or taking all the hits. It's like the league overall, the standing of the league, you're supposed to make sure it's in a good position to pass it on to the next young guy. 
in their spaces. Like, no, I'm not standing for that anymore, bro. I don't, I don't want the same league mandated um, behavior. Like, I don't, I don't want that. I don't, I don't, I'm, I want more for us. So I will speak for as if we're in 2030 and 2020. Now, in 2010, when LeBron James had left Cleveland and went to Miami and took control of his own future, he implanted a seed in a lot of players' brain, which was get your business smart and be loyal to yourself. Because a lot of these cities and franchises, they're not loyal to you. The moment they don't need you, they'll trade you off. And as you can see today, as more years have gone by, it's become the norm. A lot of players taking control of their future, whether they want to take a pay cut to put themselves in a more successful position, and the next step to that is what Kyrie talked about in the bubble, which is the players taking their money, taking all the fame and clout that they have, and maybe going through a couple bumps and bruises and starting their own league. And eventually down the road, it'll be more successful. That's the next level up from what LeBron James did. What LeBron James did was basically tell players, hey, that loyalty to your city shit, you need to get rid of that. You need to be loyal to yourself and to your family. And like, once again, like I said before, the next level up from that is the players coming together, putting their money up and going through the bumps and bruises and the grind and starting up their own league. What Kyrie said in the bubble is not crazy at all. So now Kyrie and KD is going to touch base on their coaching change and, you know, getting rid of Kenny Atkinson and what kind of fit that they were looking for. We have been planning, we have been planning a, a, a change Maybe for the last few months. That was fucking crazy. Maybe for the, maybe for the last few months. <laughs> that was... Maybe for the last few months. But first of all, I want to give a shout out to Kenny Atkinson because you know some people came out and was like, "Yo, Kai and KD got Kenny fired." And look, that was completely false. Listen, Kenny was great for the group that he served, and I was very appreciative of of what he was giving us um, throughout the season when we were playing. Yeah, the group that he served that's most likely going to end up leaving. Those young guys, Spencer Dinwiddle, uh, this guy, fucking Karis LeVert, you know, Jerry Allen, those guys better watch out because I don't sense that they were going to be still on this Brooklyn squad when it comes to, you know, making this long playoff push with Kyrie and KD. Because the Brooklyn Nets, man, a couple seasons ago, you saw the excitement on the bench. These guys were dancing. These guys were happy. And, you know, when you got, you know, big name players, especially rich guys like Kyrie and KD come to the team, that shifts the whole energy. Those two guys, you know, they're not as, you know, they're not as young as they used to be where, you know, you're more friendly with guys. You didn't make your big contracts yet. You're kind of more community based. You know, those guys are superstars. They're in their own bubbles and it changes a lot of the dynamics of the team. And I'm pretty sure Kenny Atkinson, he went from coaching a very young team to molding them to getting these two guys that was not going to be going for all these small little tactics. We always heard how great Nash was or saw how great Nash was as a player, but also when you get to know him as a person, you understand why he can coexist with us because we don't need somebody to come in and put their coaching philosophy on everything that we're doing and change up the wheel and, yo, you guys need to start doing this and we start running on the first day of practice. Yeah, once again, you know, the Brooklyn Nets went from a very young team to getting these two veteran guys that won championships, they must have looked at Kenny Atkinson like he was crazy. It was like, dude, you, you do you realize some of the places that we've been in this league, we've been at the highest level and you have never even been there. You can't be coaching me like how you coach Karis LeVert. And it probably was a transition that 
Kenny Atkinson wasn't even privy to make within the season. That's a major switch going from like a developing team to just all of a sudden you're getting some of the best players in the league. So your coaching strategy has to change a bit. But at the same time, you still have young guys. So it seems like, you know, Kenny Atkinson was in a balancing act. Like, no, <laughs> I, want, I want somebody. I need somebody that's going to understand that I am a human being first. I serve my community and where I come from first. And then basketball is something I come and do every single day because I love. And also I have the right ingredients and people around me to come in and do my job at a high level. And I know that they will hold me accountable to that level. Everything Kyrie said right there makes sense, but he's got to be careful with his wording, man, because the minute this Brooklyn Nets situation starts to go left, the media is going to chop this stuff into bits and use it against you. That's how these things work. And like I said, Kyrie and KD, Boston media and the San Francisco media got a bullseyes on you guys, man. They're hoping whatever you guys do in Brooklyn does not work out. Disrespect to Kenny or any other coaches I play with, it's just Steve coming in at this moment and then following up with putting together a great coaching core was going to make us more successful. Do you and Steve have a relationship already? Y'all have only been able to play a few times against each other, right? You coming in when you did? Yeah, I gave him I gave him 26 and 9. I like to remind him. <laughs> I, don't, I don't play those games with Steve, but no. Uh, coach, I was the first. He said I was the first person to call him Coach Nash, but I call him Steve. Steve is great, and I have a, a relationship with him that's going to build over time, bro. Like, but KD has a relationship with Steve that was that's pretty much already built. They've been building on that relationship a little bit before KD got to Golden State. And then they built it up while he was in Golden State. And like Kyrie said, man, it's over time. But KD's already pretty much comfortable with Steve Nash. Don't know me from anything he heard or, mm -hmm. you know, anything that he's heard from someone else. Or we've worked out one time in 2014. Um, but it's it's grown as just a respectful relationship from afar. I saw him at the Hall of Fame two years ago, gave him a big hug, and now he's the head coach. You know, and I and I think it's also going to change the way we see coaches. I don't really see us having a head coach. You know what I mean? Like, I, KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach. Jacques Vaughn could do it one day. It could it could be it can be it's a collaborative effort. I think on our part. That's and this right here. I don't know why it was so controversial for them to say. It's a collaborative part. Pretty much, you see a lot of coaches throughout the league, man. I mean, look at Luke Walton. He literally didn't have to do anything. And the Golden State Warriors basically won almost every single game that he was a coach of. I mean, once you have your systems in place, you have certain plays of a certain caliber. There's not that much difference a coach can do. A coach can only tell guys minor adjustments to make according to the flow of the game, pretty much. But it is a collaborative effort when you have certain guys of a certain caliber. And the proof of a lot of this is that you can see a lot of first-time head coaches, they end up winning championships. So you look at Steve Kerr, you look at Teron Lue, there's a lot of young coaches, you know, making deep playoff runs and just having a lot of overall success. So, like I said, it's really based off the philosophy of the teams. And if you have certain plays of certain caliber, it can elevate that head coach to certain levels. I mean, once again, Luke Walton is a perfect example of that. Because what he did in Golden State was not much. He was just basically on cruise control. His real test came when he was the coach of the Lakers and when he was coach of the Sacramento Kings. And we already see where it, where it, pretty much that has gone. A lot of people may question our leadership overall, or just us two. But once I, me and Kai talked about being coached every single day, I think that's the 
that's the that's leading by example. And I think a lot of our teammates are gonna follow that follow suit once they see we getting coached and we learning and, and continue to uh, you know ask questions about the game. And I, and I think having Steve there and collaborating with our floor general every day. It's only going to yield good results for scores like myself and Tori and Karis and Spencer. So them having that relationship, I think, is going to be key for us to go on, going forward, even more so than my relationship with Kai or with Steve. Yeah, it seems like right here, Kevin Durant's kind of hoping that the younger guys are going to buy in because now that him and Kyrie are going to be f more comfortable buying into what Steve Nash is going to have to say and do more than Kenny Atkinson. Yeah, it seems like Atkinson is not at that level yet where you know he can go up to coaching these guys and going after that championship level like i said his mindset might be so trapped in that past season with brooklyn with having just a bunch of young guys and now all of a sudden the expectations are higher the caliber of players you got are higher but yet you're still kind of stuck into that like oh i'm coaching up karis levert or i'm yelling at jared allen trying to change up certain parts of his game he probably brings that same energy to Kyrie and KD and they weren't feeling it. So it's it's pretty obvious that, you know, Atkinson is not at a certain level yet, but KD and Kyrie seem like they're gonna fully buy into Steve Nash and they're hoping the young guys follow suit. Now Kyrie spoke about having KD as a teammate and what it means to him and who he would go to in the clutch. One three pick and roll or it's an ISO for either one of us or it's something great for our, our team. I'm One thing I'm, I've always been comfortable with is, you know, I felt like I was the best option on every team I played for, you know, down the stretch. And Kyrie's right about that. He was the best option. Down the stretch, he's talking about clutch time. You got to make a big shot. Kyrie is fin nice at finishing with his left and right hand, taking it to the hole, and he could shoot. That's no disrespect to LeBron James. He just started developing his mid-range and his three-point shot, but... In the clutch, everyone knows LeBron James is going to take that shot. But as far as Kyrie, he could dance around. I mean, look at Game 7 in the 2016 Finals. Who made the shot? Who just stood there and watched the person make the shot? LeBron James. He watched Kyrie just dance around and shoot that three. He definitely was definitely the best finisher. That's no disrespect to LeBron James. This is the first time in my career where I could look down and be like, that motherfucker can make that shot too. And, <laughs> and he'll probably do it a lot easier. You know what I mean? Well, I, I, I... And definitely Kevin Durant is probably one of the nicer teammates Kyrie's had who can do the same, even at a higher percentage than him. Remember, KD is a guy who, who, when he had a nice setup man in Golden State, was shooting over 50%, almost up to 55%. KD, man, even with Westbrook giving him crazy passes in OKC, was still shooting about 50%, which is crazy. We're talking about he getting the ball at odd angles, still putting it up, still swishing it. KD could fit in almost any system in the league. Like, yo, okay, well, nah, it's not really so much deferring because in past situations, if I didn't take the last shot, I felt guilty. Mm -hmm. I was like, yo, I, I want this game-winning shot, but also you want to trust your teammates. Not that I didn't say I didn't have the trust in my teammates, but I felt like I was the best option, and now... 10 seconds down, go ahead, Kay, get us a fucking bucket. I don't care, bro, I'm gonna crash off some glass. <laughs> I, I know how to play the game without the ball. You know what I mean? I'm like, yo, if, if he makes misses, I'm living with it. Now, it's funny how they chewed up Kyrie about these comments, but it's funny how Kyrie just said, I know how to play the game without the ball. That's something, that could have been the shot towards James if the media really picked it up properly. 
and put it into proper context, James does not play too much without the ball. Watch his movement. He does not, not do a lot of movement, but he, like I said, he's a really great player. Nice setup, man. But without the ball in crunch time, he just gives the ball up to Kyrie and Kyrie dances and does his thing. But at the end of the day, what Kyrie said here is nothing crazy. Kyrie's one of the best finishers in the league with the left and right hand taking it to the hole once again and just making that three point shot or that mid range. His game is that's always been his game. And if I make miss, he's living with it. And I think when you match that up together, hey, you, now, now you get to really see it. Two guys that are unselfish with that end of the game, but going for that game winner, we're trying to make it. And that's all I care about. Kev, you standing in the corner while he, while he handles it? Most definitely. <laughs> like, like he said, when you look at somebody and they, you know that they can make shots the same way you can or better, the, the best part about being in this position of power is like and being a leader of a team where people look up at you is like I enjoy getting out the way and letting and letting others flourish and, and being a decoy. I really enjoy knowing that me standing in this corner may give Kai or Karis or Torian or, you know, Joe Harris just a little bit more space to do their thing. So we'll see if Joe Harris is still in the Brooklyn Nets, though. I don't think he's going to be there, but. KD's not lying about that. He's done that plenty of times in Golden State. I mean, this guy has had 30 points within the third quarter, and he sat down. Like, he does not care about scoring as long as they win. KD has definitely made a lot of sacrifices in Golden State. Maybe after a while, because of all the media talk, it's gotten irritating. But he's definitely shown that he's willing to sacrifice so other guys can flourish. Standing, standing, standing out the way and, 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 and taking myself out to play, I, I learned this a lot in Golden State. It, it, sometimes the, the best the best thing for you to do is just get out the way. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Especially <laughs> on both sides of the floor, it's, it, you know, you're not needed at some points. And I feel like late in the games, it may be some of those situations with us where it's like, okay, go sit in the corner and drag this 6'9", 7-4 wingspan dude out here with you so they can't give me a good contest in the paint. You know, so I think we're going to have situations where we both going to have to play the side. And you never know when those situations are going to come up, but I think we're both prepared to, like, hey, Kai, go do your thing. Kay, go do you. Yeah, watching KD and Kyrie, especially if KD comes off that injury and returns into somewhat normal form, it's going to be a nice tandem, especially coming down crunch time. Crunch time may be Brooklyn's real, like, strong hand right there because they got two players that in crunch time are really deadly from any anywhere in the court. That's real dangerous, especially in the playoffs. But at the end of the day with these two, it is what it is. We'll see where they get at. Hopefully KD could come back in form. And Kyrie can watch some of the statements he makes, even though it, some of it, from a logic standpoint, does make sense. But he has to understand, man, him and his buddy KD, they got that bullseye on their back. It is what it is. You guys stay safe until next time. Peace.